Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, part of the Blue Wire podcast network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, where you can find coverage of all professional and collegiate sports in the Colorado area all in one place. So definitely check out MileHighSports.com. Uh, today's going to be a fun pod. Today is going to be one where we t- I talk with Tony East. He covers the Indiana Pacers for the Indianapolis Community News, as well as Forbes Sports. He's also the host of the Locked On Pacers podcast. He approached me with just a crossover podcast idea of just previewing this game. And I said, why not? It'd be a fun way to go about it. And Tony's great at what he does. He's been covering the Pacers for years. So definitely make sure you go follow him at T East NBA on Twitter. Go uh, subscribe to the Locked On Pacers podcast. He's great at what he does. It was fun to podcast with him. And we got into a lot of fun things, whether it was Gary Harris's high school career back in Indiana or some weird matchups between the Nuggets and the Pacers and why we're each excited about the, you know, the team that each of us covers, you know, conversely. So. It was a fun podcast. It was definitely enjoyable and something that I hope I can do more of. So shouts to Tony East. Definitely go make sure you support his work. Also, this podcast is presented by Untuck It. You will hear more about them in a couple minutes for all of their great clothing that they design that is comfortable and looks very, very stylish. In addition to them, Terrapin Care Station is also a sponsor of this podcast. They are great for all Colorado cannabis um, in the Denver metro area. So make sure you look up Terrapin Care carestation.com as well as the regulator production group um they are the ones who made the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast and without them this podcast would sound a little bit worse than it does now which is not very good as is so definitely shout out to the regulators production group terrapin care station and untuck it all right we're going to take our first break and then we'll come back with tony east and i talking about this nuggets versus pacers game coming up later today designed to be worn untucked. No matter what your size or shape, untucked shirts are always going to fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on short, tall, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite untucked styles online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-down, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With untucked, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is easy to use. They have an entire page devoted just to helping you find your perfect fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart and relaxed style, visit untuckit.com and use uh, promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com, promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. It is podcast crossover time. A little locked on Pacers and Rocky Mountain Hoops fun here for Pacers Nuggets. With me to talk ahead of this game, TJ McBride, who covers the Nuggets for Mile High Sports and the aforementioned Rocky Mountain Hoops. TJ, how excited are you for this game? 
I'm actually very excited. I love this Pacers team. This team speaks to me on a spiritual level. I love how no one has any idea that they even exist and they just continually keep rattling off wins. <laughs> That's kind of 100% into my wheelhouse. Well, I love the Nuggets as well. I never introduced myself to your people. As always, I host Locked on Pacers. My name is Tony East. I cover the Pacers for Forbes and the West Indianapolis Community News. Yes, I am a big Nuggets guy myself, but not for the reasons that you have named. I'm a big Nuggets guy because they have Indianapolis legend Gary Harris on the team. Uh, I was in a gym when he hit a half-court shot to win a sectional game. It was sweet. That's funny. That's actually the only other game winner he hit other than the game winner against Oklahoma City that he had where he hit that shot. That I do remember Jokic. that. Yeah, so like, it was funny because after that game, he was asked by Christopher Dempsey of Altitude Sports here in Colorado, and he didn't remember that game winner that he had back in high school that you oh, were talking about. Come on, which I just thought it was so funny because he was pressed about it after the game, and literally there was like a blank moment of like, I have no idea what this person is talking about. So, yes, he doesn't even remember He, like, that. ran out of the gym oh, into the hallways of the school and stuff. It was so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. He was one of the, like, best Indiana high school basketball players, right? Yeah, he was a stud. If you made, like, an, a 2010s, uh, 2010s all-decade team, he'd probably be on it for Indiana high school players. That's awesome. That's, I have de- all-decade teams on the brain. You also have Mason Plumley, another Indy guy. Anyway, <laughs> I don't want to talk too much about Indianapolis, but I could, I could gush about the Nuggets roster all day. But if I'm going to gush about the Nuggets, I have to start with uh, Nikola Jokic, don't I, right? Of course, yes. And people keep kind of missing out on how good he's been this year because he started slower and the expectations have been raised by so much. But he's still the only person in basketball putting up 18, 10, and 6 or better every single night. So it kind of is one of those things where people take it forward for granted to a degree like this is one of the most enjoyable players in all of basketball and the expectations are not going to change that for me yes he's unique yes he's weird yes he does not play basketball like anybody that i have ever seen but that doesn't take away from the fun man like this guy is still endless amounts of fun to watch what blows my mind up when i watch the nuggets about Jokic is just how much he can do without without moving at all like he'll just catch the ball somewhere on the court and then turn around and then kind of look around and pull the ball back into his one hand and then boop, the nugget score. I'm like, what, what did he just do? He didn't do anything. And it, it works every time. It's crazy. Yeah. Zach Lowe has dubbed those, the water polo shots where he gathers with one hand and also <laughs> has managed to shoot. He had one off of a loose ball. It was a bad, like dump off pass to like the right block. And he somehow like corralled the loose ball without ever actually gripping it and just tossed it in. Like it's one of those moments to where there's six different NBA media members at a table and they all, look at each other and just laugh because it's just so <laughs> entirely absurd to watch oh, i love those moments when you're not you're not allowed to cheer but you're like oh that was so cool guys <laughs> right it's just like it is almost comical from time to time he's a fun matchup for the pacers in this game specifically to me because when it comes to the pacers who run out this two center lineup you know sabonis is good at physically guarding centers pretty well you know like the bruisers down low he's a strong guy he can rebound turner's good and in drop coverages and on switches and is really mobile from the weak side and stuff like that. And yet neither of them have the right skill set to defend Jokic at all because he's so shifty and a step ahead all the time. And he doesn't require you to come flying over from the weak side or overpower him. He just destroys you with this crazy warped vision finesse thing that I can't even describe. Well, uh, and that's why I, I re- you know, obviously he's the best player on the team and it's lame to be like, Oh, I'm worried about the best player on the other team. But like, he's going to, I think he 
just presents such a matchup nightmare for a team with two centers, especially that he can pass around that he's going to have a field day against this Indiana team. I'm actually curious how it works out because so few teams play two bigs like this, but if they drop enough, it's going to just mess up all those passing lanes. And that's been the one thing that's really thrown him off of his offensive game is when teams just completely sag off and they're like, listen, if you hit eight threes tonight, we're going to live with it. When teams do that, it completely throws off his mental state. Yeah, and he's been willing to shoot them recently and he's done a very good job of converting them, but it's not his best style. It's not how he wants to play. And it does kind of, it's, it's, one of those weird paradoxes where like you would think it's good to post up a smaller player but when you're hunting mismatches as your entire offensive philosophy it kind of leads to bad offense you know what i mean like it's one of those strange kind of conundrums but if they do a lot of that dropping and they don't switch onto him and they don't just make him make decisions, if they just let if they just drop off and tell him to shoot, and that's the only decision he's allowed to make, it's going to throw him off a little bit. That's been the one thing, in my opinion, he has not handled well. But when he's hitting forty four percent of his threes over the last fifteen games or whatever it is, taking like five of game, most teams tend to go away from that strategy pretty quickly. <laughs> so I'm very curious to see how it's going to play out. The other thing I'm interested about when it comes to the center matchup is defensively it's very difficult for Nikola Jokic to deal with crafty rim rollers who can create on the short roll because then you give up that law behind you that's where the Nuggets get killed when they play the Rockets that James Harden can get past the first level of offense make Jokic step up and put the lob up right behind him you can do that with Domas with uh, with Sabonis and then with Miles Turner so I'm very curious defensively if they try and get Sabonis on the short roll and make him a uh, creator in the paint in that regard and because that is something that Jokic does struggle with he doesn't have that that dexterity to be able to kind of play that cat and mouse game of splitting the difference between the big who is cutting behind him and the big who is rolling at him yeah do you think uh Paul Millsap is going to play I guess angry Harris but I I really don't know because they're saying that there's no big worry when it comes to Paul Millsap. Like they're just being very cautious. Michael Malone said back on media day that they're preparing for a 110 game season, not an 82 game season. So there's a lot of things to kind of play into it that they're just being cautious, but he has not looked like the same Paul Millsap since him and Jamal Murray collided, whatever two weeks ago that it was. And with that, in that same vein, Jamal Murray has not looked like Jamal Murray since then either. So while, Paul Millsap is able to play. He's able to get some minutes. Heck, I do think he has an opportunity to play. I wouldn't expect the best version of him, and I do wonder if they're just going to continually err on the side of caution and try and find some rest for him, especially early on in this road trip when the team already looks pretty tired to me. Yeah, I only ask about Millsap. Well, not only. He's a very good player, but I mainly ask about Millsap as a follow-up to what you just said about Jokic and, and Sabonis' creation in the short roll and stuff like that is because what a lot of teams will do is they they would just hide Jokic out on Turner because Turner's uh, role this year is much different. You know, the Sabonis is now the hub. Brogdon can pass when he plays. Uh, they have the self-creator. So Turner does a lot in the corners, and now on the perimeter he's less involved with dribbling and passing. So they'd probably try to stamp Jokic on him and then have Millsap guard Sabonis. But if Millsap doesn't play, and they what, what would they do last time? They I know they had a Michael Porter Jr. start and a Mason Plumlee start. You know, They've mixed it up. There, there's no right changes. answer to the Nuggets rotation right now. Mason Plumlee has started. Jeremy Grant has started. Michael Porter Jr. has started. Torrey Craig has started. Like it is, they have 12 bodies who are absolutely viable NBA players. Like you're talking about Malik Beasley and Torrey Craig being essentially out of the rotation right now as very consistent playoff contributors last year. Torrey Craig started 11 of 14 playoff games. 
games. So in terms of trying to figure out who's going to play, like you can throw darts on at, at a board about as easily as trying to figure out what Malone's going to do. And that's not to say Malone's on a bad job. This Nuggets team is winning this you know game after game after game for a reason. It's not like things aren't working, but it's very difficult to figure out what is coming in that regard. Um, I do hope they, that they get more Michael Porter Jr., especially in a matchup like this where you can kind of play big like they play big and get him at the three when you have a Jeremy Grant and Nikola Jokic lineup from court kind of out there together. I've really liked the look of those lineups because Michael Porter Jr. adds a different sem- like idea of versatility from that small forward position. When you already have to worry about Jokic's size and his ability to be crafty in the post and Jeremy Grant crashing from the corner for other offensive rebounds or attacking closeouts and then the offensive versatility of a uh, Michael Porter Jr., it makes him very, very unique. And I hope that I see more of that with Paul Millsap potentially out and Gary Harris for that matter. But we'll see. Again, you know, Michael Porter Jr. is a rookie and he, and he looks like a rookie pretty often. The skill is apparent, but he has some very bad moments as well. Yeah, rookie stuff is rookie stuff. Isn't that the worst? <laughs> it is. It very much so Especially is. Especially on good teams. I think the Pacers are about to run into the same problem the Nuggets have. What they have, a, a guy that could be a playoff contributor for other teams is just out when Vic returns. Probably Aaron, or possibly Aaron Holiday, possibly TJ McConnell, possibly Justin Holiday. Who knows? But it's going to be very interesting. I, I, I've been trying to keep up with how the Nuggets handle it and how, the, you know, how those players respond to that because I've seen the smallest amount of trade buzz for Malik Beasley, although I don't know that that's serious because he's going to be a straight free agent. Who cares? Anyway, yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of talk about re- their restricted free agents. They have like eight players who could be some form of a free agent this offseason. So I'm sure there'll be lots of calls towards the Nuggets. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk about trades. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. I We're going to have plenty of that coming up in the very near future. I, so. hate, talk- I hate talking about trades. <laughs> I do too. You know, I, you know what I like talking about? What? Jamal Murray. Really? We, we might have some, some different opinions then going forward here. <laughs> I don't I'm think... not as low on Jamal Murray as anybody in Nuggets media, I'm realizing. Look at you. Uh, yeah. I watched Jamal Murray, I believe it was 2015? When did he get drafted, 2015? He was 2016 was when, 2016. He, was, when he got so, drafted. So uh, when he played against IU in the NCAA tournament. Yes. Kentucky, and I said, ooh, this guy's pretty good. So IU won that game, of course. Uh, yeah, wasn't this wasn't this the same time that OG Ananobi also like swallowed him whole? <laughs> uh, I think OG might have been hurt that year. I can't remember if OG played. Yeah, I can't remember. They played. A, they 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 did cross over at one point, and OG absolutely swallowed him up. It was very yes, very funny. I, I remember that. finding that in my draft. But I, I always I always thought he'd be good after seeing him at Kentucky, and so I've been tracking him in the NBA. And I think he's. I'm not. Maybe I'm not as low as on him as you are. I think, you know, an, an inefficient kind of gunner or lead guard like that can be helpful for teams, even when, you know, I mean, obviously you have more efficient options. But he's hitting a, a low point with his shooting this year. And I'm wondering what's going on with him where, you know, it, what's the, what, like, is he just not good with his shot selection? Is he just not finishing? Is, there, is he not a great fit with this team? What's the deal with him? Yeah, so three things here. The shot selection is off, like off, off. Like he's taking, like he he has a Jordan Clarkson shot selection from time to time. Like it's very bizarre to watch him with Nikola Jokic on the floor and Gary Harris floor spacing and all of the craftiness of Paul Millsap, and he's t- you know dribbling twelve times and taking fading thirteen footers on the baseline. And you're just like, why are these decisions being made? And it's funny because Michael Malone will never call out a player by name, absolutely will not. But he has absolutely been mentioning the 
fact that the Nuggets play selfish basketball and things go badly and the mid-range shots tend to kind of appear out of nowhere. And I, I just can't help but think that that's 100% Jamal Murray. And he doesn't generate threes, which coming into the league seemed like it was impossible. He was such a lethal sniping three-point shooter in college, and he really just hasn't had that as a part of his game at the NBA level. His shot readiness is the second thing. He is just never shot ready coming off screens and being you know, as a pull-up artist too. So many times, guys will just go under screens, and he's not ready to shoot, so they just reflow it back into another pick and roll, waste another six seconds on the shot clock, and suddenly you're taking another tough fading mid-range floater at the very very end of the shot clock that doesn't go in so Jamal Murray in my opinion at this point he needs to kind of remake the way he plays but I don't think that's going to happen and it's not for me to say that he has to because Jamal Murray is very very talented what he's doing at 22 is actually very impressive but in terms of what the Nuggets need this year to actually compete for a Western Conference Finals appearance or better they need more from him and it needs to start with that shooting because it's not there the shot making has not been there the shot generation of three pointers has not been there and the good shot selection has not been there and if all three aren't hitting, you're going to have issues when you're not going to be a plus defender every night and you're not a plus creator. And that's really what they've kind of ran into with Jamal Murray, despite the fact that they already gave him a maximum contract last offseason. I wonder with him if there's some like level of he forces it because he's kind of off ball more than he has been his whole life. But I, I don't know that. I, don't, I have no I mean, it, it could be, because he, but he played point guard when he played for, for the Canadian national team when he was young. Like, he's been a right. point guard the majority of his life. It wasn't until he went to Kentucky that he started playing off ball more. And even when he was at Kentucky, he played a year of point guard. It wasn't until Tyler Eulis came in and actually took over a lot of those ball handling duties that he was able to go off ball and become that three-point shooter that really got him drafted so high. So it, it's a weird pull between... He seems like a natural two, but he believes he's a point guard, and the Nuggets believe he's a point guard, but the Nuggets have Nikola Jokic on the team. So it's not like they really work hand-in-hand, and it seems like when the Nuggets' offense is working well all together at once, Jamal Murray is not really a featured portion of that. And when Jamal Murray is playing well, the Nuggets' offense as a whole is not really featured in that. It's going to be something to monitor. It's not like it's already at a point of no return by any means, but right now there is a disconnect between Jamal Murray at his best and the Nuggets at his at, at their best. Yeah, he had some nice playoff moments last year and some uh, not so nice playoff. Moments. <laughs> when Derek White goes off for thirty three against you and it takes a yes. fourteen point fourth quarter to beat the Spurs on your home court, like there are some worries. Like I don't know if you watched the Rockets Nuggets game last night, but they just picked on him every time Jamal's on the court. Harden or Russ was getting them was getting him in a pick and roll action and attacking him over and over and over again. It was like a playoff game. They were singling him out at every opportunity, and that's going to be an issue long term. Well, I was actually about to ask, do you, are, there, are there any matchups you think the Pacers will try to pick on with this Nuggets team? And you might have just picked one for me. So thank you. Yeah, an athletic big like Miles Turner and a crafty point guard like Malcolm Brogdon is a very terrifying combination against this 
Like that just isn't something they handle well. So I do expect a heavy dose of that, but also I think running a lot of elbow, you know, triangle. Cause like, this is the thing. A lot of these DHO kind of actions are old pinch post kind of sets. They have a lot of triangle variations to them. So I wonder if they're just going to try and put the nuggets into those kind of pinch post sets with, with Sabonis as well and try and get Jamal Murray sleeping and try and, you know, get those easier buckets off ball because the nuggets have good, have done a good job of hedging out on pick and rolls and scrambling behind but in terms of just playing strict off-ball offense when there's a lot of movement away from the ball that's not something they've handled as well so I'm curious to see how that plays off as well yeah I'm looking forward to seeing how the Pacers try to to manufacture points because sometimes you know what so they're their new team they're really reshaping this year sometimes they and a lot of the time actually is what I mean to say they have these crutches of that they didn't have last year with Jeremy Lamb and TJ Warren where they can say Sweet, we have wing creators late in the shot clock. Don't have to run a set. Here's the ball score, or they can spot up a little bit. You know, Jeremy Lamb's been great going to his left, but against Denver, that's not as easy, right? Gary Harris is a great defender. Will Barton's impact stats are like hilarious this year. He's been an awesome and he defender. man watching him this year. He's lived up to a lot of those numbers. Maybe not like he's living up in the top five players this year, but he has been that impactful for this Nuggets team. Oh yeah, I don't want, I don't want to belittle Will Barton. And I that five thirty eight wrote a whole great piece about why their thing ranks him so high. Yeah, so, yeah. Jay Dupin did a great job with that piece. He's he's clearly very good. It, he's not a top five player exactly. Um, no, 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 not, not anywhere near that. Let's be very real. <laughs> right. And then like Malik Beasley's a capable defender. Jeremy Grant's a pretty good, prim- very good perimeter defender. Man, locked on Pacers listeners know I love me some Jeremy Grant. Yes. Uh, so they're not going to be able to rely on those two guys as much as they sometimes do. So I think we're going to see a heavy dose of of that kind of stuff, of picking on Murray, of making Jokic move around because I made fun of his speed on our Monday podcast. I apologize. Um, <laughs> things like that to, to make the nuggets kind of bend a little bit more, maybe draw some of those wings in because uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be an easier way to score than, than the normal way of, Oh, TJ Warren here, go get a, go get a bucket. It's funny because it's almost the opposite with this Nuggets team sometimes, though. Like, just giving TJ Warren the ball is almost more helpful because this Nuggets team is most comfortable on defense when they're scrambling. Like, they understand oh. that when you have Nikola Jokic that you're going to have to play at the level of the screen. There's going to be a whole lot of emphasis on the low man trying to create a whole lot of chaos as they let guys slip screen straight to the rim. So they are most comfortable when scrambling. So TJ Warren going off might actually be very, very realistic in this game. He's killed him before. When he was at Phoenix, he actually he had some massive games against the Nuggets. There's a lot of people I talk to who are like, "Man, TJ Warren always kills this team." I'm like, "Really? Oh, <laughs> where where did that go when he went to Indiana? Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, no. He one of them's the Sixers people. Like, ah, oh, TJ Warren always kills us. I was like, "Really?" And then he like he destroyed them both times. <laughs> so clearly, there's something to it. Man, it's unbelievable they got him and a pick for nothing. Um, I know. I he's know. been so good. What uh, what is the flip side here? What matchups do you expect the Nuggets to try to exploit? This is a really interesting one. I honestly think it's just going to be Nikola Jokic making reads on the fly. I don't think there is going to be a matchup they attack in any kind of point. They're just going to let him eat, and they're going to see if he wants to score. They're going to see if he wants to create. They're going to see if they can create enough gravity going towards the rim to create open threes. Michael Malone's favorite phrase is paint threes. Get into the paint, break down the defense, kick out to shooters. So I think that they're just going to trust Nikola. That's really what it is. And he's been so good recently that why wouldn't you? I mean, he's putting up like 25 12 and 9 over the past like 12 games or whatever it is that's it 
it's absolutely absurd. Like I, I if you look down and you're like 31, 10 and 10, like when did that all just happen? Like I didn't even realize that he just materialized stats from seemingly nothing, but he does it. And he's so good at just orchestrating everything around him. And I don't think there's one matchup to attack. So why not just let him do what he does? Yeah. And that's probably what I would do too. He's so like creative, you know, to, from point A to point B that the defense does like, what just happened? You know, he's so good. It's insane. Um, I never get used to it. Like he still does things that I've seen like 50 times and I still find myself just like shaking my head in amazement. Like you just don't get used to what Nikola Jokic does on a basketball. He seems court. like he'd be like a goober to talk to. He he is. I mean, he wore yeah. a shirt that said, if I wasn't here, I'd be playing video games or something like that. Like <laughs> it looks like he shops at target or wears the track suits that were given to him by the nuggets. Like he wears the same pair of hyper dunks seemingly every night that he plays basketball. Like he is, not anywhere near a regular NBA player. He's so unique and strange in his own way, but it's brilliant. You know, he is an artist in the fullest sense of the word. So he had, he had 21, 9.5, 7.5 in December on 54, 39, 85. That's it. That's just nuts. And that was when he started slow and the Nuggets lost like five of six games to start December. Like, that, wow. like that was like what he's been able to do has been absolutely insane. But what's crazy is that it's nearly identical to the numbers that he put up during the playoffs. And that's just kind of what he does on a 36 minute basis. He's pretty much a walking 22, 10 and seven like at every moment. And it was weird that he can play so unique and so consistently put up numbers like that. But he does. It's, it's, like, he, it's like he backpedals into them in his sleep. It looks so easy for him, but clearly it's not easy to do what he does. So in the non-Jokic division of things I'm intrigued slash um, curious about in this game, something that's been helping the Pacers a lot this year, you know, they started one and three, their turnaround came because of this too, is their bench really picked it up and now their reserves have been just saving them in a lot of games. You know, if their starters can't break a lead away, their reserves can, and a lot of teams don't have that luxury. Um, They can even catch them up when they're behind. Things like that are great. They just beat Philly because their bench just just slaughtered them. Uh, they had a 19-2 run to start the second quarter. Against the Nuggets, that bench won't well, – I mean, it's not that the bench is going to be worse. It's the same guys, but the Nuggets bench is also deep. You know, you already mentioned that they, they're literally not playing quality NBA players because their bench is so solid. And I wonder, I, I wonder how much uh, influence that will have on the final results is which bench can separate themselves from the other group. Because I think the Nuggets have a little bit of edge in the starters, so it's going to be up to the Pacers' bench to try to compete with the solid depth that the Nuggets have. You know, Jeremy Grant's good, Monte Morris. I don't think he's ever turned the ball over in his life. <laughs> you know, I just I, they're going to have to find ways to to succeed against that group, which is pretty challenging. Well. On paper, you're right. And the thing is, is that last year you were right as well. But this season, for reasons that I just cannot wrap my head around, this Nuggets bench unit has been one of the underlying issues to their instability as a team. And again, like the players are good and they have played well, but it hasn't led to functional bench play. Um, There, I can't tell you the amount of times that the Nuggets starters came out, obliterated a great team, and the bench unit came in and just lost a 17 point lead before the before the calf time showed up. And you're just like. Why? How is it that this team, with all of the talent that they have on it, with all of the continuity that exists, with all of the versatility they have, just cannot produce? Offense is so difficult for them for some reason. Defensively, they just kind of like lose themselves. They just like let go of the rope from time to time, and all of a sudden these big runs get ripped off. But 
they have shown some life. Like Jeremy Grant has improved a ton over the past month, which was expected. He's on a new team. It was going to take a little while to get his, you know, his himself acclimated, but he's been much, much, much better. Monte Morris is coming off one of the best games of his career. Michael Porter Jr. is playing well, but is pretty much just dreadful on defense at the time of us talking about this right now. But they they have talent. It just hasn't fit together, and I would give a big advantage to Indiana going into this game when it comes to reserve wow. play. I really, really would. That's the part that I'm most concerned with. They're going to need to because I don't think they're going to win the Jokic minutes, obviously. so The Pacers aren't going to win the Jokic minutes. Yeah, and the Nuggets starters, they've played the most minutes of any five-man unit in all of basketball. Like That group knows what they're doing together. They know exactly how to get back into rhythm when they fall out of it. They know how to defend. They play on a string together. They will almost always come out positive. It's been that bench play. It has absolutely been that bench play this year. So what are you intrigued by in this game? I really don't have one thing. I'm just excited to watch this team. I've always enjoyed this Indiana team. I like the way that they're playing nowadays. I like seeing this two-center lineup and the high-low way that they've been able to create their offense. Um, but in terms of matchups, I'm really just like not that enthusiastic about one particular matchup. I really like watching Malcolm Brogdon. I think Miles Turner should have been a Defensive Player of the Year candidate more than he was last year. I think Sabonis is very underrated in pretty much every facet that you can think of. And because because of all of those facts, I really enjoy this team. And I know that you had to issue an apology recently to my guy, Aaron Holiday, who I absolutely <laughs> like as I well. Did. So I'm hoping to see quite a bit of minutes from him. So in terms of just like individual players that I personally just enjoy watching, they have a lot of them. But in terms of the matchup, I don't think there's like anything incredibly revealing about any of these matchups in particular. Yeah, I, I agree with the revealing part. Um, some, you know, I, I'm curious personally about if Brogdon does play Murray versus him because as great as Brogdon is on defense, his kryptonite is quicker guards and Jamal Murray is quite speedy. His so, handle is quite mediocre though. So he's been having a lot of trouble turning the corner. Brogdon's had some, some decent games against Jamal just being able to be physically in front of him and just not yeah, let him huge. really move. So because of that, Jamal has struggled against him a little bit in my opinion. That's been something that I... I kind of want to write about this. It would take a lot of research that I have yet to do and question asking. Anyway, like what, what difference does it make for the other four guys? Like they had Corey Joseph and and calls last year, like six, two and six foot short guys. And Brogdon is huge. You know, what kind, what kind of calculus does that change? What kind of, uh, it's funny that you're talking about, how does that shift? What happens? How does his size let him defend Jamal Murray, uh, in ways that they couldn't before stuff like that? No, for sure, because I'm actually writing a story right now. I don't know when it'll be done, but I'm writing on Gary Harris's defense and his football background in relation to it <laughs> and what basically unlocks his ability to be so good. And every single player that I've asked, I've talked to six different players now about this for this story. All of them, the first thing out of their mouth is his size. And it's not because he's like six seven. It's because he has wide, strong shoulders. The base is insane. He is strong as an ox, and he just stays in front of you. Like That means so much to so many teams because if you can cut the head, off of an offense like that and just eliminate the lead guard you can start playing a lot easier defense two on two behind and i really think that's a big big part of it yeah he uh he went at hamilton southeastern we our high school played against him in football uh at lucas oil stadium so i got to see gary Hare score i got to see gary harris in a half court shot two intentionals i got to see him catch a touchdown that's so funny. Yeah, did you you knew he had a uh, scholarship offers for both football and yeah. basketball, right? Yeah, like there were schools that wanted him to play both, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, they, he had a teammate in high school, Zach Irvin, who I thought 
who's going to be in the NBA also, who ended up going to Michigan and now being a pro. Man, Gary Harris is like a cult hero for me. <laughs> That's so awesome. No, he's, all, he's one of my favorite dudes in the Nuggets, and he's really like he, – he's the glue that has made this defense work. Him and Paul Millsap, it's the only reason this defense worked. Those two as the low men have been absolutely incredible this year. Get ready to be so frustrated because Miles Turner will catch a ball on the roll and Gary Harris will materialize like he teleported and start swiping down, and all of a sudden there'll be a turnover, and you'll have no idea where he came from. It happens like three times a game on seemingly every big who plays. It's so ridiculous how good he is in that role. Have you seen the video where Gary Harris dunks in his first game in Indy since being drafted and his mom was in the bathroom? Oh, yes, yes. And his mom misses it and she's like freaking out behind the bench. Yes. He's asking for the the Pacers don't play uh, road team replays. I think they should have made an exception. (laughs) He was was asking for a replay and they wouldn't put it up. It was kind of sad, but funny at the same. Oh, that's actually really, really funny. Especially (laughs) because like his mom is such an impact on on him as a player because she played ball. So, yep. It's funny. Good dude. Uh, I... We'll end and put you on the spot, TJ. Uh, who's going to win this game? I'm taking Indiana. The Nuggets are not in a good place. They just let go of the rope against Houston and let them score like 38 points in the fourth quarter after cutting the deficit to three to enter the fourth quarter. And I think a tough game on the road in Indiana is not the recipe that's going to be able to help what ails them. So I'm taking Indiana in an ugly game. I'm going to say um, 104 to 96 Indiana. Ooh, I like that. 104-96. Wow. Ugly game. Nuggets have played too many of them this year. I can't remember if it was last year or two years ago where Oladipo had 47 against the Nuggets at home. God, I, I miss Victor Oladipo. That's all, yeah. I, that's all I got to add to this. I just miss watching him play. I know. We're, uh, we're within the month, according to Oja's report. We're oh, I cannot play. wait. <laughs> I am excited. Uh, I hope the Pacers win this game because there's no way they're going to beat the Nuggets next time. You know why? Why? They have a... A Denver Utah back to back on the road. That's Ooh. like they should never. Like, I get like geographically it makes sense, but it's such a rough way to go about it. Who scheduled the altitude back to back? What an aw- yeah, it's awful. I don't. I think know. the Nuggets it's are miserable. first, so in theory they have a slight better chance. But like that is. There, there's just no way they win that Utah game. Though. That's like there's one of the most no miserable back-to-backs because you're not having fun. It's cold both places you go. The airports aren't close to the arenas, and you have to go deal with the Jazz and the Nuggets like yeah. at altitude. Man, what a just, miserable back-to-back. Just brutal. So, I, yeah, I just I think they uh, they want to not go zero and two against the Nuggets, and they'll, they'll try to. Fair win. enough. <laughs> it's, it's very weird. Like sometimes there's like revenge game, like a tiny former player thing. There's like none. There's none in this game. Yeah, that's what I was it's saying. Not. Like, I just I can't find anything like meaningful. Gary being back in Indiana will be the most. Yeah, that's the thing. only thing. But Gary's yeah. face won't change for the entire 48 minutes <laughs> of playing anyway. So, like, you're not really going to get a whole lot of excitement out of that. I'll get of annoyed with how many questions I ask him before. <laughs> there you go. It's all right. It'll be you doing it, not me for once. Yeah, so I'm okay that, with that. <laughs> that will be the reason he is uh, not smiling in this game. I guess Doug <laughs> McDermott, uh, the draft night trade, right? But that worked. Oh yeah, that, that was yeah. the Yusef Nurkic trade, who was also not a part of the nuggets that, anymore that worked out great for the nuggets yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah don't forget the anthony randolph portion of that trade as well very uh, very important addition i i i can't, I can't believe i forgot how could i <laughs> forget such a meaningful Listen, mark. real madrid legend all right like <laughs> he did play really well in europe too. he said he still is i'm pretty sure he's still over there playing oh really i didn't yeah know. he's been really good TJ, you have your mad ants. I have my European basketball. We all, we <laughs> I need the Nuggets. The Nuggets got to get a G League team in. So right, you're telling me, man. I'd be. I would never so fun leave. to cover those teams. TJ, where can people follow you and all your stuff? 
at TJ McBride NBA on Twitter. Follow the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and Mile High Sports for anything Colorado related. It's a great podcast. All the the Nuggets have like seventy good podcasts. It's unfair. It's really unfair. Tell I I, I feel you. No one has enough clicks because all of us have podcasts. It's very very funny. Go check out TJ and his stuff. It's all great. Uh, his most recent podcast had Will Barton uh, on it. And Will Barton's having a kick-ass season, and it was a kick-ass podcast. And, of course, I'm sure I'll have thoughts about this game afterwards, so go follow them. Of course, you can find this podcast at Locked On Pacers on Twitter. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. That's it. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Tony East. I definitely did. It was a lot of fun getting into a lot of weird, different things. So definitely go support Tony at T. East NBA on Twitter. Go follow Locked On Pacers. In addition to that, make sure you go support this podcast as well, the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. You can find it on anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Go leave a five-star rating. Go leave a comment. Go leave a review. Share it on social media. All of that fun stuff. It really, really helps, and I appreciate all the good feedback that I've been getting from so many other people. So, That's it from me. I am TJ McBride from Mile High Sports. This has been the Rocky Mountain Hoops Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and I will talk to you guys later. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet, with ample parking at every location for a seat seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com.